flag hunting podcast and we are officially into the 2022-2023 PGA Tour season uh, as we are going to talk about the Fortnite Championship today um, and then I think going forward we just had a little discussion I think we're going to start doing two episodes going forward one's dedicated just to golf and one to NASCAR um, so we will uh, this one will be dedicated to Fortnite uh, at some point we will have fan favorite at Rory Picks joining um, he'll be here to talk about Hopefully a little bit of golf before we're done with this discussion, and then obviously to talk Bristol Night Race. But with that being said, Ian, it's been a while. It's been, what, three, four weeks, but we're back with the Fortnite Championship. Yeah, yeah. Two, three weeks of no golf, but even longer since we've had like a full field event, which is really nice. You know, like the last time we really talked golf was the Tour Championship, and although it was kind of a celebration of the season, not exactly the most compelling betting week uh, for a lot of us in the golf industry, so... The fact that we get to kind of go through 150 plus names this week and kind of sort through a full field, uh, 72 hole, uh, 36 hole cut, uh, is really exciting. So back in the swing of things, shortest off season in sports, and then we'll have, I don't know, I think eight or nine events until kind of the uh, winter break, and then we'll get back into uh, the full swing of things. So yeah, it's uh, it's gonna be back. Also, just full disclosure, guys, I'm uh, I'm not in my home right now. I'm uh, at my mom's place right now, so it's kind of been known for a bit of shoddy internet so if we do cut out a little bit i do apologize i just uh i just wanted to make that clear at the start because chris i didn't hear like cap his intro because i was scrambling trying to get the internet to back to uh to go back live so hopefully we can it's nothing new having technical difficulties here but uh yeah i just want to kind of make y'all aware but yeah super excited for the fortnet we got a lot of interesting names to talk about despite the fact that it might not be the most star-studded field yeah absolutely and I guess before we get into Fortnite, I kind of brought this up to you right before we jumped on here, but um, we got some Corn Ferry guys coming up. So some guys that, um, you know, earned their, earned their card uh, or their tour status based on how they performed in Corn Ferry. So um, I know there's one on our card this week, but there happens to be a real popular one in the field this week that seems to be a, a big pick. So what is your what's your prognication of Justin Sue? Yeah, Justin, Justin Su. Uh, oh, Su, but, okay. Uh, Yes, uh, I think I, I, that's that's how I've heard it pronounced uh, to me. But yeah, I, that's uh, so that's the guy that you you proclaimed as being the more popular pick of, of the two. OK, I was yeah. I was going to guess the other guy, 50 to one, Taylor Montgomery. We'll talk about him in a second. Uh, yeah, Justin. So we'll, we'll talk about him first. Uh, kid out of USC actually came out as I believe one of the top two or three amateurs in the world out of college. He was actually in the class with Morikawa, Hoblin and Wolf. And he was every bit the college player. Those four were um, came on the PGA Tour as a rookie. Had some solid results, couldn't quite keep his card, um, and kind of locked himself in the superstar like the, like the former two did. But um, you know, did his did his round on the Corn Ferry Tour. Actually, won the Corn Ferry Tour Championship just two weeks ago. And if you go onto his results log, I mean, he might be one of the hottest players um, in the world. Just any player in golf. I mean, he won the Corn Ferry Tour Championship, the semifinal. He finished T nine, T thirty seven week before that, and then fifth, second, seventh, tenth. And the four events prior to that. So uh, Suh's a guy that, uh, that clearly has the pedigree. He's only 25 years old, again, out of USC. Um, I think he's, you know, he's 123rd in the world, but by data golf's um, projections, he's a top 60 or 70 player. So I think he's fairly priced at 55, 60 to one uh, this week. And I do kind of want to give a shout out because I'm not the biggest tor- Corn Ferry Tour guy. Like I don't, I follow mainly the PJ Tour and I'll watch, um, you know, random events if they're on TV. But 
Uh, Skyhook DFS does a really, really good uh, podcast with, um, oh, Lord. Uh, his name is Monday Q Info. He does a lot of the updates for a lot of the money qualifiers on the PJ Tour. I forget his real name, but they did a podcast together on Medio, Medio Medium, Media Network. That's really, really good, breaking down these guys, and as well as our boy, the, uh, the Model Maniac on Twitter. Um, I could be incorrect. I know they, I know they collaborated within the last week or so. Them talking about the top, the, the 50 corn fairy guys really and kind of getting more of a lay of the land and more in depth. Uh, look at all the names um, kind of coming up because there's a lot of them that, you know, money. So uh, those guys did a great job and, um, yeah, self for sure is a guy that's, you know, he hits a lot of fairways. He's very much kind of, I think in a bit of the called more cow mold, uh, a guy that hits a lot of fairways. He's really, really good with his irons, uh, fifth on the corn fairy tour last year in greens regulation. Um, obviously number two in scoring average, number two in birdie or birdie, birdie to bogey ratio. Um, and you know, he won at a very difficult golf course, uh, last week for the corn fairy tour championship. So he's coming in great form and, uh, we'll get to the betting card, obviously, in a little bit, but he's definitely a guy uh, I was I was digging pretty deeply into. Didn't quite get to him from an hour perspective, but obviously want to see him do really well, and maybe he can uh, he can kind of take that Zalatoris, Cam Young pass straight from Corn Ferry up to uh, Superstardom and you know and beyond. Yeah, so yeah. I guess to intro better, I guess the what we're kind of getting into here with the fall swing. Uh, so we're gonna have. Kind of a few tournaments here over the next few weeks. And then, um, well, I guess we have the event next week with the President's Cup. And then um, kind of some events here and there of the fall swing. And then we kind of get to another break at some point um, in December. So I guess what events in this fall swing are you kind of looking forward to or are you like kind of not excited for? Um, I guess it's kind of give maybe some people who aren't as familiar with, wow, we're already in the 2023 season in the fall. Like, how does that work? You know, just kind of a, a quick little breakdown real quick. Uh, yeah. So this is, I mean, this is very much like the, I don't want to call it the preseason of golf, but it, it is definitely a, a, a batch of tournaments where you're not going to have a lot of marquee names, but we've historically done pretty well when it comes to these kind of smaller field events. We had a really good fall last year. Um, you know, we were at 400 units on the total for the season last year, and we had 180 of those in the fall. So uh, just because, obviously, you know, you're not getting the, the number one player in the world, number two player in the world, anything like that, like, it doesn't mean that uh, these tournaments aren't worth breaking down and betting. And I think, you know, I, I've heard from a lot of the industry that, you know, as far as, like, DraftKings or in the betting space, this is actually one of the more um, advantageous weeks to put money into uh, just because just having a inherent knowledge of these guys watching them week in week out um we can gain a, maybe a bigger edge than like a typical week where um the fields are more well known so i just think being on the forefront of information being being on the forefront of uh, a lot of these venues that we're going to is going to really really help you because um you know not only are you know the field's going to be a little bit um tougher to, to deconstruct for the casual audience but um you know we're just going to have that inherent edge um against you know guys that play um, guys that are entering, you know, a few lineups on DraftKings, uh, say during football season, just with a few extra funds. So, um, yeah, obviously, I, I personally abide by, like, I, I don't really adjust my uh, unit counts from week to week in terms of, like, I, I bet the same to win the same 
whether it's the Masters or whether it's the Shiners Children's Hospital Open. So, um, yeah, every golf tournament for me, I, I look forward to. I'm happy that we have it back. Um, I am personally looking forward to the President's Cup, being a Charlotte native, both, both being Chris and Charlotte native. So I'll be looking forward to that uh, a lot. And then, you know, uh, we have the CJ Cup in uh, Congaree in, back in South Carolina. So the host of the Palmetto Championship in 2021. Excuse me, the Garrett Higo one. I'll be excited to go back to Congaree and uh, some uh, some happy hunting grounds, I should say, for flag hunting. So, uh, yeah, I mean, like I said, it's, they're not the most sexy tournaments, but um, there's plenty of opportunity week in, week out. And uh, I think we have some some really, really solid bets that lined up for this week. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I guess with that being said, we'll, uh, we'll go ahead and get to this week's tournament. So we are the Fortnite Championship at Silverado Country Club. Um, so I'm sure you've got a breakdown on Silverado. So let's hear it as we are out in, it looks like, Napa, California. Yeah, Napa County, uh, wine country. I believe Xander Shoffley and Patrick Cantley are still in Napa, although not for this tournament. Uh, Cantley just got engaged, so congrats to uh, to Patty and his missus uh, for getting engaged there with uh, Xander in attendance. Um, but yeah, this is the, uh, the the debut tournament for the 2022 season, 2022-2023 season, I should say. Uh, the Fortnite Championship, uh, I believe this is the second consecutive year it's been this name and the second consecutive year it's led off the PGA Tour season. We are in Napa County, California. Uh, at Silverado Resort and Spa, the North Course. It is a 75th shortest part of 72 on tour. Uh, uh, we're back in California, obviously, which means Poana Greens. Uh, and coincidentally, four of the last six champions here in Napa have hailed from California. Uh, Brandon Steele won back-to-back, <clears throat> excuse me, in 2017 and 2016. Uh, Cameron Champ, California kid, won in 2019. And obviously last year, defending champion Max Homa, uh, a Southern California kid, uh, beat another California native, uh, Matt Bay- nearly by one at 19 under par <clears throat> excuse me uh so yeah poana greens and uh a blend of ryegrass and kentucky bluegrass rough uh only two water hazards on this entire course and only 50 bunkers in play on the course which is the second fewest combined hazards on the pga tour uh, as far as the breakdown of holes go obviously four par threes four par fives ten par f- ten par fours with it being a par 72 uh the par threes range from 182 to two 212 yards uh, and they include the first third and fourth toughest holes in the entire golf course so <clears throat> on a lot of these um you know for the most part being a shorter course uh winning scores have ranged from you know 14 to 21 under uh over the past few years it is a <clears throat> it is a course where you have to make a lot of birdies but the par threes in particular are core are uh our holes where you have to hold on a little bit <clears throat> and uh and make a few pars <clears throat> sorry guys um it's been two weeks be- since i've uh did a course breakdown, so that's why I got the extra <laughs> here. Try to slow it down. Okay, yeah, so as, as I was saying, uh, the par threes, you know, four threes every single day on these par threes are going to gain you strokes on the field. Each one of them play over par, and like I said, uh, if I could get to the course here, here it is. Yeah, uh, the second, the seventh, and the 15th hole, all par threes are the first, third, and fourth toughest on the course. The four par fives here. Uh, the 5th, the ninth, the 16th, and the 18th, uh, all with a good tee shot. There's four of the easiest par fives on the entire PGA Tour. Um, each of them have an over 38% birdie or better rate. Uh, and so just like most stops, uh, four par fives equals, they will be the absolute uh, best chance for these guys to make birdies on this golf course. And then obviously, and then we have 10 par fours here as well. Uh, none of them, none of them, 
is a bit of a rarity on the PGA Tour. Typically, you know, the tour likes to set up at least two or three, two or three kind of longer par fours to get these guys a bit of a roadblock. Uh, but yeah, the the ten poles, uh, the ten par fours on this course measure from 360 to 460, uh, and eight play under 425. So um, making this first and foremost, this is a wedge course. So over 50% of approach shots uh, have come from under 150 yards here historically. And again, given the length of a lot of those par I just talked about uh, many of these guys are going to be able to club down a lot off the tee and still leave themselves a wedge into these greens. Uh, so again, not a very demanding set of golf holes really outside of maybe the par threes, which is why you've seen uh, a lot of guys kind of take it low. We saw next home. I think she was 62 here on uh, go 62, 67 on the weekend, I believe to win last year. So uh, low scores are certainly um, in play here at Silverado. Uh, the driving accuracy percentage here is substantially below tour average, which is one of the kind of, uh, I guess, defining difficult factors on this golf course it's 52 percent uh, of a fairway percentage compared to the 62 percent tour average which is kind of comically low but the gr percentage actually sits well above the tour uh tour average at 69 percent versus 66 percent um now again some of this has to do with the wedges these guys will have into these greens but it also kind of speaks to the ineffectual nature of this rough in 2011 silverado had its infamous kakuya rough removed in favor of a much more predictable blend of rye and kentucky bluegrass uh um, and with the length of this rough growing up to, what, two to three inches at its longest, um, it's some of the easiest to play out of a, on tour. It gives up the fourth most birders a better uh, off the fairway. So, again, we've seen kind of past champions, guys like Cameron Champ, guys like uh, Kevin Tway, Brandon Steele, Stuart Sink, Max Homa, um, all kind of above average in the distance category. And that's just because, you know, when fairways are shrunken down and they're harder to hit um, and everyone's kind of playing out of the rough, it's kind of that a little bit of a U.S. Open like Bryson winged foot corollary where if everyone's hitting out of the rough, you'd rather be as close to the uh, green as possible, obviously, to to be able to access these pins and uh, have short clubs in. So um, in terms of driving, I want, um, yeah, in, I want a player who's a good overall driver of the golf ball. Um, but in particular, I think length has more to do with success than, uh, than maybe accuracy would be. Although we have seen kind of shorter players like Rio, Stewart, uh, You know, I think length will be maybe a bigger factor than uh than uh, like accuracy will, will will play. So my key stats for the week: uh, strokes getting off the tee, uh, just in general, but particularly on courses under 7,200 yards. We want guys that uh, kind of excel. They they have multiple shots off the tee. They can club down if they need to. They can uh, put the ball in play uh, if they need to. Uh, good drives gain and driving distance, basically total driving, is another stat for me. Wedge proximity again, specifically under 150 yards. Par five scoring with there being four of those on the golf course. Um, strokes can total in easy scoring conditions and birdies are better gained. Um, cause you will have to get, I would assume to at least 18 to 20 under to even contend here. And then, uh, you know, a little bit of poe and a putting pedigree. Um, you know, I don't need you to be, these aren't uh, the most grown up and bumpy rough poe and greens that we'll see maybe next spring or yeah, kind of early next season at, uh, like Torrey Pines or Pebble beach. Um, but certainly, have a little bit of experience on these type of greens, these West Coast planet greens uh, will help quite a bit. And, you know, like I said earlier, uh, four of the last six champions have come from the, uh, from the state of California. So I don't think that's quite, a, I don't think that's, uh, that's quite a coincidence. And uh, yeah, so that's quite, that's uh, slightly rated in my model. Uh, but yeah, that's, uh, that's the breakdown for Silverado. Not exactly the most uh, um, nuanced golf course we'll ever go to, but uh, you know, certainly a chance for a lot of these guys to, come off the corn ferry tour or come off a, you know, a two or three week off season, um, get the momentum going and make a, make a lot of birdies this week. So, 
uh, yeah, that's it. Uh, so before we jump to the odds board, did you want to, I know that one thing I always do is I talk about like the top five or top 10 in, in my model. I don't know if you have top five or top 10. If you want to talk about that before we jump to the odds board. Yeah, sure. So my, my uh, predominant, my main model this week didn't include putting. And that's only because we don't really see Poana Greens all that often on the PGA Tour. So um, kind of no matter what you're dealing with small sample sizes as far as putting goes, I kind of took it on a case by case basis. If I liked a guy, I wanted to make sure he had some kind of uh, pedigree on these type of greens. So, uh, most of these, most of these guys you're going to hear are predominantly ball strikers. That's why they're kind of the top of this model. Um, but my number one player was Corey Connors, even though I did, uh, post a tweet earlier today or earlier this week, I'm sorry, that said, uh, let's see if I can quote it real quick, uh, just off of memory. I believe it was in 15 career Poana starts. Corey Connors is 0 for 15 as far as getting starts putting. And he's had two of his eight worst single round putting performances here at Silverado. So uh, Connors, even though he's at the top of my model, uh, it's 16 to one or whatever he's priced at right now. Not, not someone that draws my, my ire too much. Uh, Taylor Pendrith for me is number two over his last 50 rounds. Uh, Cameron Davis is three. Max Homa is four. Hideki Matsuyama is five. Um, Davis Riley is six. Chris Goddard is seven. Tom Hoagie, Chris Kirk, and Alex Smalley round out my top 10. So uh, yeah, that's my name. Uh, but again, a lot of names that we have here, like it, it's kind of tough to run a model um, at this point, in the PJ tour season, just because number one, we have so many corn fairy grads where their stats aren't accessible from uh, the tour they played last year. And then obviously a lot of these guys played in the playoffs. So um, sometimes strokes, I mean, strokes gain is. Easier to gain strokes. Um, you know, in a particular category in like, say, the Barbasol than it is at, you know, the first or second playoff event where all the elite players in the field are there. So um, for me, yeah, for me, I think this is a week where you kind of have to contextualize the stats you see even more than usual. Uh, whereas maybe if you're in kind of right in the middle of a PJ Tour season, say like next April, May, where you have a lot of data points, uh, a lot of these guys are playing kind of playing on even playing fields week of a week. Um, you can kind of just maybe take the data more at face value, but certainly I think this is a week for a little bit more uh, nuance and a little bit of uh, a week to put a little more context on a, a lot of the stats you see in front of you. All right. Well, I think it's time to head over to the odds board. So um, with that being said, uh, we've got three guys under 20 to one, all very, familiar names um so we're not going to get to quite the deep names yet but max homa Corey connors and hideki matsuyama um max homa i think being kind of the clear favorite um Deku being the guy that you know I, you just told me yesterday has, has uh dismayed dismissed all of the live rumors which makes me happy that he's staying staying yeah. stateside um and then we obviously you just kind of went into your breakdown of Corey connors but um of these three we do have a bet here but i assume that you don't you don't, you don't dislike Max Homa at the top. It's just I you probably just had a a more bigger lean on Hideki at twenty over Max Homa at sixteen. Correct. So when when odds opened on Monday morning, uh, this was this is kind of the top tier. It's always been the top tier since the field released on Friday. I think most people assumed these would be the top three guys in the odds board. And yeah, when prices opened, it was pretty much a consensus. Um, yeah, the books were all kind of in lockstep here. They were all. Homa, Connors, Hideki, all priced from 14 to 16, depending on where you looked at. And at those prices, I really had no interest in touching the top. I mean, yeah, Homa, defending champion here. He's a West Coast guy. Um, 
certainly a great course fit. We saw that last year. The problem with Homa is the iron play really hasn't been there over the last uh, few starts. He's lost strokes on approach in his last four events. And even though he's got a lot of it back with the putter, um, if you're going to ask me to lay 16 to one on a guy, I, I need to, um, I need to have pretty much full conviction that, that he's playing the best golf he can. And uh, for me, it, it's really tough to really, it, it'd be really tough to clip Max Homa's name at 16 to one, even if he was playing great. Um, but, but certainly with that kind of red flag in front of him, um, I, I definitely decide I, I would definitely rather go down the board. Um, and Hideki was always the one that scared me the most kind of of this top tier uh, range. I wasn't quite willing to bet him at 16 to one, but I woke up this morning and saw a 20 next to his name and I, I couldn't resist. Um, now Hideki certainly kind of found himself very much like Homa, um, maybe even to a more public extent has certainly found himself in a bit of a rough, rough patch uh, this summer while kind of fighting a nagging neck and back injury. Um, plus some of the live rumors that might have may or may not have been a distraction. Um, but he's fresh off a stellar performance at the tour championship. He finished T nine on the shadow leaderboard. That's without the starting strokes. And, and uh, finished fifth in that elite field on approach. Um, I think just the fact that he's playing this week on the West Coast in Silver in uh, Napa County one week before he's supposed to lead the international team on the other coast in Quail Hollow, I think that tells me everything I need to kind of coming into that event and coming into this event. And so, yeah, at 20 to 1, I'm more than willing to take a punt. His track record here at Silverado is phenomenal. Uh, he's had four starts here in Napa County. He's registered a third, a sixth, and a 17th uh, in those four starts. And uh, he's averaged over two strokes gained per round T to green over his 14 rounds played, uh, which is the best per round average in the field. Uh, he was one of the best wedge players in this field over the 2022 season. He was fourth in proximity under four, or, or fourth in proximity under 150 yards. And his two most recent wins have come weaker field events, shorter golf courses, tough fairways to hit. Wiley, Narasino, um, kind of both, not comp courses, I would say, just, just because the agronomy is a little bit different, but uh, but certainly a, a similar skill set required at both those tracks. Um, and I think when when all things are equal and Hideki's healthy and informed, he's the clear class of this field. And at 20 to one, he's the clearest value for me at the top. So um, yeah, not a week I expected to to be uh, to be touting any one of these top three guys, but um, yeah, I was very very pleasant surprised to see the drift uh, come through on this Tuesday morning. So. Uh, happy to have it again on the card for sure. And I'm assuming we have confirmation that the injuries hopefully are all like in check because it seems like that's been the thing that's been bothering Deki for the last three to four months. Um, so is there any news on that front or are we just kind of taking the hope that everything's all good? Um, yeah, I, I don't particularly know. Um, I mean, he hasn't really shown signs of like the injury bothering him, I think really since the Memorial when he was kind of dipping around, he ended up getting acute, I think for, uh, uh, for having the illegal marks on his three wood, but he never really looked right the entire week, uh, that week. And he was actually a pretty popular pick being that he had, uh, such a phenomenal track record at, at the golf course. But you know, the two platform events he played, he, he withdrew from the, uh, from the Northern trust, but since then 35th, the BMW, which is kind of middle of the pack and then 11th at the tour championship. Uh, like I said, ninth with the, without the starting stroke. So at a golf course, he's played so well to, during his career. I think, um, you know, I'm, I'm willing to kind of take the punt at 20 to one. So, uh, um, yeah, certainly we'll figure it out, but I, I think if health was seriously concerned for Hideki, he certainly wouldn't be here. He would, you know, I think, uh, most most 
uh, over this the over the Fortnite championship with all due respect. So um, yeah, that that's really all I got to say. It's you know never clear what what these guys are truly feeling, but um, yeah, I've seen enough, and he's had two weeks off uh, since that tour championship to uh to kind of click the button at, at an objective value. Fair enough. So we got three guys at twenty five to one. Um, one of them is a guy that we've bet, but at a, a slightly better number. But we got Matt McNeely at twenty-five to one, Sahith Tagala at twenty-five, and Taylor Pendrith at twenty-five. Um, Mav, I believe I read earlier today, is a Stanford guy, right? So uh, maybe another West Coaster. Yeah. Um, and I think you mentioned uh, he was a runner-up last year as well. So um, this seems like a kind of a fun range right here. Yeah, I mean this this kind of starts the range. I mean a lot of these, yeah, yeah. I guess I guess twenty-five would be officially the start of like the young gun range. Uh, the exciting names, um, whether they're on Cord Ferry, whether they're, you know, second year rookies on the PJ Tour. Um, and McNeely's certainly one of those guys, you know, former number one amateur in the world, um, you know, storied course history at Pebble Beach. And, you know, he built on that West Coast reputation with that runner up finish uh, this past uh, season at the Fortinet. Really kind of should have won that tournament, had it, um, you know, had a two or three shot lead for a lot of that back nine before Hoba made his charge. Uh, I think McNeely double bogeyed the 17th hole to uh, to kind of hand that tournament over. But, yeah, sir. Pebble Beach, uh, Torrey Pines, uh, Silverado, Barracuda Correlated courses that we uh, we see here on the, on, in California. So, um, for me, 25 to 1 is a little bit too rich. I did see, like, 35, 40 to 1s on McNeely, which are – objectively pretty tempting um but the ball striking really hasn't quite been there for mav uh over the last few tournaments and you know when you take into account the guys that are kind of behind him on this odds board uh and we'll talk about a few of them in a second um i just think he's a little bit overpriced and overvalued just based on maybe the the geographical connection that he has so uh so yeah I'm, i'll be out on mcneely this week t gala for me um yeah 25 to one. Another guy that I don't think I've ever bet T Gala, especially in particular, like when we're on this podcast, I don't think I've ever touted him. And I think the main reason is I, I don't really see the defining skill set that like makes him worthy of being 25, 30 to one. I know he's popped at some pretty marquee events. You know, he, he was right there in the mix of Phoenix. He was right there at the Travelers Championship. Um, certainly a talented player, but um, I really don't see him being any better or, you know, even really in the same tier right now, given how these guys like Pendrith and Davis are playing. So uh, yeah, Tiala for me was, was a fade just based on kind of where he's on the odds board. Um, I would almost rather take Tiala in a stronger field where you can get him at 80, maybe a hundred to one and uh, hope that he spikes that week. Cause it's clear when he has it, uh, he's capable of contending no matter who's in the field. So uh, I don't particularly like betting Tiala at 25, 30 to one uh, in a field like this. Now, we get to Taylor Pendrith, and you didn't mention Cameron Davis. So we'll kind of group them together. Uh, we got Pendrith at 33 to one. We got Cameron Davis at 40 to one. Full disclosure: I thought these two would be the first two after the top three, uh, just based on kind of how they've come out or how they finished 2022 and how they set up for this golf course. Um, but we got Pendrith again. We got Pendrith again at 33, but Cameron Davis at 40 to one. Uh, I actually I actually see both Pendrith and Davis in similar lights. They're two of the longer hitters in this field. Uh, they make a ton of birdies and they excel when scoring conditions get when they can score conditions get 
bit easier when they have to make a lot of birdies. Um, both are brilliant inside 125 yards. They rate fourth and eighth in my model uh, in that wedge proximity range. And both are coming into 2023, riding some of the form of their lives. Pendrith leads this field, actually, in his last. Last 24 rounds in stroke chain total. He's second in ball striking and second in TD Green. Uh, Davis is not far behind. He grades sixth in stroke chain total last 24 rounds. Um, and uh, as well as uh, seventh, in birdie birds, seventh in birdies are better gained and third in opportunities gained. So um, between, between the two of them in the last two months, eight top 15, zero missed cuts, and only one finished worse than 35th in 10 events between the two of them. So I think both these guys, if you're talking about like breakout names for the PJ Tour this, uh, this coming season, I think these are both prime candidates. And anything over 30 to one in an event like this, I think is a really strong bet. So uh, Pendleton and Davis are, again, two of uh, they're going to be both really popular bets. They were second, third in my, in my model uh, for what that's worth. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to kind of get that. Um, I don't know. I, I don't want to say catch book sleeping, but I certainly think uh, I wouldn't have blinked. I wouldn't have blinked eye if they were 22, 25 to one consensus across the board. So um, getting them over 30 to one is, is certainly, I think, a win in our book. All right, so that brings right, us that's... to the next range here. Uh, so we got Davis Riley at 33, Brandon Steele at 40, um, Emiliano Grillo at 40. Um, and I think it's a good time to bring on uh, Rory Picks here. As last time you were on, he he mentioned Emiliano Grillo and it actually almost kind of hit. So um, Rory, welcome welcome to the podcast. Welcome to join mid, mid-conversation here. What is going on, fellas? What's up, Ian? What's up, big dog? How you doing, bud? I missed you up in PA. I wish you could have joined I know. us. I wanted to come, man, but I was in the middle of moving. We might could have showed Phil how to do a shotgun. <laughs> yeah, man. It's clear he didn't go to App State, man. He, he's, he's not about that life. <laughs> I know that's right. I just, I'm glad to be on tonight with you boys. Y'all, y'all are two of my favorite people. You killed golf. Absolutely murdered it this year. Like, I think I'm just going to start playing $1,000 units on your play. <laughs> let's let's start at 100, bud. We'll, we'll work with you there. How about that? Hell yeah. How yeah. y'all boys doing this evening? We're doing good, man. Golf's back. We got Bristol coming up. We're going to talk. Uh-oh. Do we lose him? That's uh, bad. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we got we – got... As many winners as we hit last year, we didn't, we didn't quite get our goal of the podcast dump, so we're trying to we're trying for that. Let's uh, let's run it back for a couple weeks here in the fall. So y'all like Grillo this week? <laughs> I don't, bro. I mean, I I don't mind Grillo to be honest with you. I just I just like other guys around him. You know, I I bet Cam Davis at forty. I bet Davis Riley at forty to one, and I bet uh, Taylor Pendrith at thirty three. So I didn't really have enough room in that range to to get to Grillo, but he's a past winner here. Um, He's come on with a putter a little bit in the last few weeks, and so I know uh, I know a lot of smart guys are, are counting Greer this week. I know uh, Rick Game, and if you follow him, is on Greer pretty heavily this week. So I wouldn't blame you one bit for kind of going back to that well. He almost cashed us that ticket in Minneapolis. Burger hearts a little bit there at the end, though. Uh, yeah, you got that right. I thought I didn't call the damn just out <laughs> of the nowhere winner <laughs> that week. <laughs> yeah, seriously, man. Yeah, been, he fared a little bit with his gloves. That would have been the greatest like ever. <laughs> Calling out a seventy to one just by scrolling the list, haven't looked at nothing. It's like, damn, I kinda like Grio here. <laughs> Hell yeah, that, that's why we have you on, George. You just you just throw you just throw out names and I look through the stats, I'm like, wow, Roy actually that's actually a fucking start bet. <laughs> well, let's uh let's hopefully get something rolling this week. I ain't really been all that active the last month. 
because yeah, I just ain't like none of the racetracks, to be honest with you. Like, I don't yeah. know. It's just, I mean, you take Daytona, a road course, and then Darlington can be just turned to crap. You know, I mean, look at Kevin Harvick's car. He's on fire. Like, just, yeah. just stuff that happens at those tracks that generally don't happen at other tracks. And then coming into Kansas last week, I was just kind of, I don't know. It was... It was weird. Hey, Roy. Huh? Let me let me stop you right there because um we're gonna we're gonna talk golf for maybe ten more minutes and then we're gonna let you and Chris wax poetic for about NASCAR. Go for it. I don't I want you to save these takes for our for our dedicated NASCAR podcast. We're gonna split them in two this week. I like Davis Riley. Roll with that. Hey, hey that's, that's that's a perfect perfect segue. That's right. Yeah. So we're, we're always getting he, he's a pro on this podcast game. Yeah, I've got Davis Riley at forty to one. Uh, so I, you know, I talked about Pendrith and Davis being kind of the more trendy plays of the week. I think Riley's kind of the post-hype sleeper if we want to kind of go in a fantasy football direction with uh, in Memorial Week One there. But Riley's kind of the post-hype sleeper for me of this range of young kids. He may have fallen off a bit of its torrid pace with five consecutive top 15s early in the summer, but finished 13th in the Wyndham, 31st in the first playoff event in Memphis. It's not exactly a terrible lead-in, um, you know, on the results sheet here coming into Silverado, and especially considering how well. Eighth on the PGA Tour in total driving in 2022. He was third in birdies or better gain and 14th in wedge proximity inside 150. So 40, 40 to 1 for me is a price I'm more than willing to pay when we've seen the upside. We've seen, you know, Riley contend at the highest level. He's, he's finished top 15 in the Memorial, finished top 15 in the PGA Championship, was in the final few groups uh, there, and then finished top five at, at you know, places like I think the CJ Cup, the Mexico Open, I think one more uh, really, really top, uh, top finish down there, down the stretch. So, yeah, I like Riley a lot at this type of golf tour, at this type of golf course, and uh, yeah, forty to one's a great number. So yeah, I'm on Riley at, as well, Roars. So I guess at this point uh, we get to a lot of names between forty and I guess really like eighty um, mm-hmm. that are kind of all bunched together. So yeah. without without naming all of these guys, we didn't really bet any of these guys, I don't believe. Um, so is there anyone? I guess in this range that you want to talk about that maybe is on your short list um, or are we skipping right down to 80 and talking about your next pick, which I believe is, it seems like one of your favorite picks on the card. Yeah. So we will talk about maybe a couple names here because if I didn't go to Hideki at 20, I think the remainder of my card, because my first few clicks were the Pendrith Davis Riley picks. And then uh, I had maybe one more big bet or maybe a consortium of smaller bets here in the 50 or 60 range. I like Taylor Montgomery a lot. I, I've been looking into the Corn Ferry guys, as we, as we mentioned earlier, and Montgomery was the class of the Corn Ferry Tour last year. He was number one in scoring average. Um, phenom- I mean, he is among the longest players um, in the world off the tee. Uh, and at a place in Silverado where, you, you know, you're not really – these guys aren't really trying to hit a lot of fairways. They're really just trying to bang it down there as far as I can, have a wedge in from this sparse rough, and just attack these flags. Um, if I can go to the Corn Ferry database here real quick, yeah. Montgomery was, I can just read some stats out, number 15th in driving distance. He was 21st in greens regulation, second in scrambling, first in three-putt avoidance, second in putts per round, fifth in birdies to better conversion, first in birdie to bogey ratio, first in bogey's avoidance, first in birdie average. I mean, he was unreal down the stretch uh, at the Corn Ferry Tour. And this seems like as good of a course fit as you could possibly imagine. We talked about Sub being a Southern California guy. Uh, Montgomery's a Las Vegas kid, so he does have a bit of West Coast uh, blood in him, maybe a bit of Poana experience down the uh, in the amateur ranks. But, um, yeah, you get down 
his recent results, T9, T4, T3, T2, missed two cuts in the middle. Uh, one of them was the U.S. Open, where he gained um, almost two strokes uh, on approach in those two rounds. But then T8, second, T4, T13, T4. He just stacks top finishes. He loves himself a birdie party. And uh, if there's one guy that I kind of have a bit of FOMO for, it's, it's Montgomery. I've seen him 50, 55 to 1. I think both of those are, are quite fair numbers given the profile and, and the form he's in. So, um, yeah, Taylor Montgomery. I mean, it's not very often you see a young kid. I mean, he's 27, so he's not quite as young as like a Justin Suh or like a, some of the guys we'll talk about at another date or later in this podcast. Um, so he's he's been around the block a little bit for uh, never being on the PJ Tour. But uh, it's very rare that you see a guy, um, some of these young kids, come on the tour with this kind of short game prowess. Like typically they kind of have the ball striking pro- uh, profile first and then they kind of learn how to putt or they learn you know, where they, where they put the best or where they, uh, where they're most comfortable around the greens at. Um, but it seems like Montgomery has a pretty, uh, all around skill set. Uh, and so if there's one guy, even above, so if there's one guy that I think is, is most likely to kind of make the biggest impact right away, uh, it's certainly Taylor Montgomery at 50. And then, um, I do like Cameron. Depending on where you look on Monday morning, but he was a guy that I, I liked a lot. Obviously, a former champion here in 2019. Um, bombs it off the tee. He, you know, he scores well. He scores great on par fives. Um, he doesn't really have the all-around game, but you know, when Champ is on, he's proven that he can win. He's got three PGA Tour victories to his name. Uh, Sanderson Farms, Safeway Open, which is the the former name of, of this uh, golf tournament, the 3M Open. So three kind of uh, birdie parties week field events i think this is kind of right up his alley and uh at 66 or you know 66 to one or above i think it's a perfectly logical bet to make there um and then we already talked about justin so so those are probably the three names that really jumped out to me in this kind of range if i wasn't to go to the very top of the decky and if taylor montgomery wins on his first pj store start then then all the props to the world with the kid he uh <laughs> he's gonna be a study the way all right, so that brings right, us that to uh, the last two guys on the card here. Um, so we are now to the 80 to 1 range. Um, it's funny, though, because there's two guys here at 80 to 1 that uh, I noticed their names and noticed that they happen to be favorites of yours, but only one of them's on the card. We've got Ches Reby and Chris Goddard up. So you went with Ches here, and you seemed very, very happy about this this bet. Yeah, this is actually my first click, which is not all that common for me. I typically don't um, – I don't really look too – too often, like past 50 to one. So, um, Chez is the guy that, you know, you talk about course horses for courses. I mean, Chez is 10 for 10 here in Napa Valley, uh, making cuts. He's stacked a third place finish in 2020 with a first round leader cash. Uh, last season, I know Roy's really a bit, really big into those first round leader tickets. So, uh, maybe someone to throw some coin on, uh, or lay some coin on this guy box would say, um, this week here in Napa Valley. Um, but yeah, Revy kind of clearly follows the, the Grio, uh, Brian Stewart passes his test here. Um, he's third in this field in driving accuracy. He's 10th in wedge proximity. He's gained strokes and approach in 10 of his last 11 starts. Um, and we're, again, we're at perhaps his most successful career venue. He actually leads this field. He actually laps this field when it comes to gaining strokes with his irons at Silverado Resort and Spa. So, um, you know, he's already won at a kind of a correlated course earlier this year at, um, at the Barracuda Championship, which has the stable bird. He's 
been and the the course history he has. Like I was fully expecting him to be at 50 to one or 45 to one. And I was more than willing to kind of catch him at that or to catch him at that number. But, you know, I woke up Monday morning. He was 80 to one first click of the day. Um, let's go Shez Reby. So that's my, uh, that's my pick. And then I don't have too much to say as far as the long shots go. And I know Rory's itching to talk Bristol. So I'm going to get out, get it out of their way and, uh, and talk about Vincent Norman real quick. We kind of, we talked about some of my corn fairy favorites or the, the chalk of the corn fairy tour, should I say. Uh, I got Vincent Norman here, 250 to 1 um, as my kind of final bet of the week here. 24-year-old Swede out of Florida State. Um, Norman has yet to win professionally, but he had two very successful stints um, already in his young career on both the DP World Tour and last year on the corn fairy tour. Um, coming out of Florida State, he got, because I think maybe because of Swedish, he got a few starts just on the DP World Tour right away when he turned professionally. Uh, he debuted in Europe by going T14, T5, T61, T10, T11. And he was one of the better drivers of the golf ball uh, that year on the European Tour in that debut kind of half season. Fast forward to 2022, his rookie year on the Corn Ferry Tour, his only year on the Corn Ferry Tour. And he kind of further solidified the status in the global game. Uh, 13 top 35s and 24 starts uh, on the Corn Ferry Tour in 2022. He ranked second in total driving. First in ball striking, second in greenness and regulation percentage, and seventh in scrambling. He's got a really, really well-rounded skill set for a 24-year-old rookie. Um, obviously, the one Achilles heel is the putter, which is, um, you know, just completely on brand for me. Um, you know, just picking the guy that can't putt with a shit. But uh, um, he was outside the top 100 uh, last year in three putt avoidance and putts for GIR. Um, but if he can make any strides with a putter uh, or on the greens, um, I'd expect him to kind of make an instant impact. So he's a guy that, again, for a 24-year-old kid that's only been on uh, in the professional ranks for a year and a half, uh, he's got a lot of uh, miles on his uh, – he's got a lot of experience already. And at 250-1, to one, that kind of TD Green pedigree I don't think can go ignored. So uh, he's kind of my, my sleeper pick, and um, I expect to be riding him for, for quite a while, hopefully, uh, if, he can, uh, if he can have success here initially on the, on the PGA Tour. Cool deal. All right. So uh, I do want to ask you one more question before we close this out. But um, just to kind of give everyone a wrap up here as um, we are experiencing a little technical difficulties. So Ian might have been kind of coming in and out there for a little bit. So I want to go back over the card just to make sure we got it. Um, but Hideki is at 20 to 1. Taylor Penja, 33 to 1. Cam Davis, at 41. Davis Riley at 41. Ches Reeve at 80 to 1. And then Vincent Norman at 250 to 1. So that is the uh, FHP card for the week. But, Ian, I need to ask you a question, and you can feel free to shut me down on this if you don't want to give up the picks, your picks close to the hip here. But we are, uh, between our group chat and some some other friends, I think Rory's going to join, I think Skybox is going to join, but we're going to be doing a one and done this year um, for the 2023 season. So if you were to give some advice on a one and done pick, I guess, who are some guys that would be on your short list? I'll just go ahead and tell you, I think I'm going to play Matt McNeely. I'm just going to go ahead and lay that out there. Okay, interesting. Um yeah, I mean, just in general, I think with one and done, especially when we're starting in the fall, a lot of people tend to play kind of safe in the fall swing and save a lot of the bigger names for, you know, obviously the main, you know, the bigger purses that we come in the spring and the summer and the fall uh, next year or whatnot. But I guess my main piece of advice would just be don't be scared of betting, of, of using starting in August or whatnot or, or September. Um, I think there's only 44, 40, maybe 43 events, uh, you know, not counting the uh, the alternate field events that kind of go along like the U.S. Open or the Open Championship. So 
Um, yeah, I mean, don't be afraid to to play kind of the top, especially in these fall swing events. Like these events still play plenty, and especially when you're talking about one and done, really the only thing that matters is finishing like inside the top ten. Uh, like the difference between missing a cut and finishing in T32 is really not that is really nothing to be honest with you. Like making forty two thousand dollars in one and done is not uh, really gonna be all that beneficial for you going forward um, or over the course of the season. So. Yeah, just don't be afraid to play the top and, you know, just trust that, you know, there are going to be guys that emerge over the course of the season. There's plenty of good golfers to use. Obviously, you know, there's there's the majors are maybe a bit of a different story. You know, you like you want to bookmark guys and you want to you know maybe map out a little bit of your strategy uh, for some of the bigger events, whether it's the majors or um, you know, the memorial or the players or some of those big purse events. But, um, yeah, particularly in the fall swing, um, maybe outside of like Hideki, maybe Homa. Uh, and Connors, like I wouldn't be scared to use any of these guys. All right, All right. good deal. So maybe we'll create a little segment out of that as the season goes around, goes along here, and we kind of kind of highlight some plays that we had in our one and done and stuff like that. But just want to talk about that real quick. So, all right, well, I guess that's all we got. I guess for the Fortinet. So uh, we kind of recap. I don't mind that Reavy play. He's always a sneaky little fucker. Like, <laughs> I like you always. You I like him. I remember one one. Um, it was on a Thursday. I had yep. taken – I forgot who it was against him. And it wasn't even like my guy just went out there and, like, flubbed it up. Like, it was like a 65, and this bastard beats him with a 64, opened in first-round leader. Might have been a John Deere. Yeah. I think. It, or it was one of those, you know, just courses that he can play good on. If length isn't a problem with him, he's actually a pretty damn good – golfer like it can go low I, I love Shez honestly like if I had like if I had someone I want to model my game after like I love Shez Ruby's game I love the fact I mean, he doesn't miss a fairway he hits his irons great and he can't putt I mean that's like that's my I mean that's the key to my heart as far as like a golf betting perspective so uh yeah I'm all over Shez and uh like you said man if, if the course is like under 7,300 yards like he's absolutely in play because like you said he's he's gonna keep himself in play He's gonna fire pins, and uh, on the days he makes putts, he can. We're, he can we're gonna put we're gonna put a Rory golf pick out. Chaz Reavy first round leader. What do, what do y'all got? Put that out on whatever odds it is. We're gonna roll with Chaz. Hell yeah! I'm, that, I'm way, that way, course. that way, you know, if you get him for first round leader, you already cashed a big ass ticket, and then you know yep. more than likely you're screwed, and he's not gonna fucking <laughs> go wire to wire. <laughs> So. To be fair, Rory's yeah, Rory makes a really fucking good point because I have a I have a really bad um habit of just like like thinking these really shitty golfers can win events. Like the better bet is to bet these first round leaders. Um and like I, I do the same thing with Chris and NASCAR where I'm like, yo, Chris, Ty Gibbs is like sixty to one to win this damn race. Like the better bet's just to like bet him to win the poll uh on Saturday, you know, and we've kind of talked about that in some of our episodes. So I'm starting to learn a little bit and, and maybe Wean, wean myself off a little bit of the long shots. I, I want. I need to look over here and see. You know Jim Cummins. Mm-hmm. I do. Yeah. No, he's a. He's, he's like a the king of first he's a round leaders. Like, yeah. Man, dude is straight up sick. I mean, I hit a lot of first round leaders. That dude's like just amazing. It, Twelve of them, I think, since he was posting plays on on Twitter. Okay. So I mean. No, I said he's like hit 12 of them last year, and I don't even think he started putting out plays at the very beginning of the year. He, this was just like 
yeah. at least maybe three quarters, two thirds of the season and hit 12 of them. I was like, you're a fucking genius when it comes to that. Yeah, that's that's kind of why when people ask me for like FRLs or like placement bets, like I kind of stay in my lane. Like I, I kind of know what I'm good at. And if you want placement bets, go to House Money 16. That's my boy on Twitter. Uh, yeah, does a really my, good job with. That's my yeah, buddy. and then boy, Jim Cummins. That's the FRL oh, king, like you said. I love House. He, he House is no, yeah. House he, he, ain't no, he ain't no pussy. Like he yeah, can take it. You know, he can take it. He can yeah. give it. He don't get like upset, irate, or nothing. He just either talks shit back or you know whatever. But I mean, me and him carry on because I mean. We've been yeah. we've been talking for a shit a while now, and I mean, House's placements are beautiful. Like, oh, he's yeah, he's a goat, man. He's so good at those placements. Yeah, and that's I'm kind of jealous of it, man, because like it's it's super sustainable, whereas like outrights are very you go hot and cold, and you can go a few months without hitting shit. Um, he is uh, very disciplined with not playing any that have juice. You know what I'm saying? Like right. he always passes that's up. Funny the juice ones and goes with plus plus money on them and i mean like you said there ain't nobody that like hits as many and he's very smart about it too you know as far as you're sitting there and let's say like the book doesn't pay off like out to, like it it's dead heat rules basically it splits it all up on the ties of the top 20 so it makes it to where you can lose money on that damn thing so like definitely play them on books that pay out all top 20s or like he says a lot of times you're better off just going ahead and moving up to top 10 because top 10 pays out all top 10s and what are we talking about here maybe two strokes difference possibly right yeah yeah i I'm I'm a big proponent of the debt of of just avoid debt heats at all cost. To be honest with you, like I'll I'll pay the extra thirty forty cents if need be just to make sure I kind of I can kind of cover my ass unless because like I mean if you if your guy finishes twentieth and he finishes in the six way tie you're losing money like you said so um yeah I'm a I'm we've got a couple of books that have placements on the t uh, on the t twenties that where all ties are paid and I think that's absolutely the way to go for in the, in most cases unless you get like a super crazy price on like FanDuel or one of those one of those books well, that, see, that they're do very, it they're very very sneaky about it too a lot of like you don't even yeah. know that you're having this happen to you until it does happen to you I mean yeah. but but like my first thing when I looked at it was is like Caesars and I can't remember who else but they don't pay out all ties it's dead heat rules yeah, well, most, that's why most their numbers like thirty dollars, you know, thirty cent better. Yeah, that's I think why, or whatever. But yeah, I always lean towards I think MGM, I think Matt yeah, Rivers, yeah. they all pay out all the way. Yeah, so. I, I'll tell you what, Roy, I just need access to a book that does top forties. That way, I can bet all my all my losers because like every time I bet it, every time I bet one of my guys at one hundred twenty to one to finish top twenty. He's like night. He's like T five, like on going to the final round, and then he just gas cans on on Sunday and cost me. So I need the I need the T forties. Yeah, y'all y'all's lawmakers need to get up off their ass and make the shit legal. I mean, what yeah. in the hell, man? Everybody's doing it right now. I mean, you're just gonna be late to the party, missing out on money that you could have brought in for the state. Yeah. I mean, it's even worse for me. I'm in Florida now, Roars. It's even. It's like we're not even close. 
Hell, you ought to give Skybox a holler. We're, you're oh. on the opposite side, aren't you? You're I'm on the. I'm on the Atlantic side. Oh, where? I'm at? just for the south. I'm just for the south. I'm in Fort Pierce. I don't know how. Uh, I think I'm like probably three hours from Jacksonville, but we're uh we're we've already been in contact with Skybox about maybe meeting up for the players up in uh, Ponte Vedra. So. Oh, that'd be badass. Yeah, brother. If you uh, if you want a road trip down with Chris, meet him in Charlotte. He'll drive you down to uh to Ponte Vedra. We'll meet up. That would be fucking cool. Oh mm-hmm. my god, us four unsupervised. <laughs> yeah, at a fucking golf tournament. <laughs> if, if if we catch if we catch those guys. <laughs> I tell you what, if we cash it out, like, <laughs> if I would have, if if I would have been there with Cam Smith stuck at a four feet on seventeen on Sunday, I would have jumped in the water. <laughs> Shit, I probably would have went and slammed like five beers. <laughs> yeah, that, that was sick. That was sick. I took him live before the fourth round started. Really, like seven? I think he was seven hundred or something. It was something stupid, seven fifty. Yeah. I don't know. I was like, I was like, I got this feeling his putter is going to be absolutely hot this evening. Yeah. I fucking hate, I mean, like, I've never, like, I I don't really care about the Bryson and the Brooks and all that, but, like, Cam, Cam hurt me. That one hurt. That's my favorite golfer. I know. I'm like, what the fuck? I have not even watched one live event. I have no clue who in the hell's hardly even been, been winning. Nackie's notes. He, like, will tell me if I ask him, or every once in a while, he'll mention it. But I still don't even remember who the fuck won. I mean, it's, it's just, yeah, like, it's, yeah, it's a charity. It's, it's just, like, a, it's like a charity fucking hit and giggle, you know? I mean, like, where do you even watch this shit? What does it come on? It's on YouTube, man. If you want to watch Cam Smith, it's on YouTube on, like, I think the, uh, Friday through Sunday or Thursday through Saturday. Yeah. I think I'm going to have to watch just to see how fucking, if it is... Just stupid or, or what? It's not, one of these yeah. days. It's not for me, but I get it. I mean, if if uh, if you just want to watch, I mean, I'm I'm not a big fan of the shotgun start thing. I'm not a big fan of the 50 for a whole thing, but you know, the, they've got some solid players. So I mean, it's it's worth your while if you want to check it out. Well, um, but we'll see Kami for the Masters. That's what I'm just telling myself. We'll yeah, see Kami for the Masters, just, and I'll just I mean, I'm gonna have to be a major now. The thing is, is like after he won a damn major and won the players in the same year, and probably I feel like he didn't play. Well, he didn't play none of the playoffs except the first event. And right, right. did he come back and play? He didn't come back. And, he came uh, back and played. He returned to BMW. He, was, but he came he back played and played the tour championship. He, he wasn't right. right. But played it, yeah. But he wasn't even. It was just like he he won into it or you know whatever because i mean they kind of said they intentionally did a bullshit two-stroke penalty on him or some some shit like i seen something saying wow how like how related is this to the rumors that are floating around because i didn't even what did he get penalized for because i don't even know what he got penalized for i just seen something about it he technically hit his ball out of a hazard. He hit the ball in the water, and then when he dropped, it was still within the hazard, and you can't hit out of a huh. hazard. So he uh, he got a stroke penalty. Yeah, he was still hitting off the red line. So it was, was it was clearly the rules, but the problem was the timing. He they they told him two hours before he was supposed to tee off. That was the main yeah. thing. Like how the fuck did they not like you know reprimand him in a 
better time or like notify anybody. I mean, even the night before, like why the morning of the next day? I mean, they just like, they just kind of felt like it was just they were. He was in contention till that. Like he could have <laughs> shot a low ass round and won the whole thing, and I think oh, that's brother. what they were scared of. Brother, trust I, me, I had we had Will Zalatoris. I was sitting there. It was either Zalatoris or Cam Smith uh, as the favorites, and Zalatoris's live odds went from like plus five hundred to like plus two hundred when that happened. Right. I mean, I don't know. It, it is. It, it's not. I understand why they're leaving, but with him, I think he's worth more money than what he got. Like, I don't. I don't see where I don't see where he's only worth 120 million or whatever it was. Was it 100, 120, whatever? I, I don't, don't even know. See, I think he's worth more than that. Is what he he is so freaking popular. Like this dude could have sold the shit out of some damn like apparel and stuff. Like right. just his mullet, everything. He was especially like, that guy. Bill. Yeah, but he was like that guy that could have just been straight, like the next big thing on the PGA Tour for years out. It sucks, but, man, because he was too playing the world, and you know, like, like you said, man. I mean, he was, he was, he just fucking beat Rory at St Andrews. I mean, there's no bigger like, <laughs> there's no bigger obstacle you can you can overcome than that, pretty much in the game, but. I mean, hell, I'm just going to bet at the Masters every single year. He's going to win one of them. So we'll we'll get our money some way or another. Absolutely. I'm ready. Golf's back. Yeah. Love it. Now let's talk a little, little Bristol. <laughs> All talk right, little so Bristol. Let's, uh, let's close out this episode because we're going to release these as two separate episodes. So we'll close this one out, and then we'll be right back with the Bristol episode. So hang tight, and uh, we'll be, be right back with the next episode. Bye.